Let us now read together what we confess in the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 21, question and answer 55. There we find God's word summarized as follows. What do you understand by the communion of saints? First, that believers, all and every one, as members of Christ, have communion with him and share in all his treasures and gifts. Second, that everyone is duty-bound to use his gifts readily and cheerfully for the benefit and well-being of the other members. After the sermon, we will sing from Psalm 92, stanza 6. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, this afternoon we once again speak about the church, but this time from a different perspective. The previous question and answer dealt with what God does. He is the one who gathers, defends, and preserves for himself a church to everlasting life. Question and answer 55 deals with how we must respond to God's church-gathering work. The church is the body of Christ, where Christ is the head. Question and answer 55 deal with what goes on inside that body we get an intimate look at how that body functions. It is a kind of autopsy, except that this autopsy is performed on a living organism. We get to look at the heart and the arteries and the muscles, whether or not they are functioning properly, whether or not atrophy has set in, or hardening of the arteries. As you know, the statement about the communion of saints comes from the Apostles' Creed. In the third part of the Apostles' Creed, we state that I believe in the Holy Spirit, semicolon, I believe a holy Catholic Christian church, comma, the communion of saints. Only a comma separates the church from the communion of saints. All the other statements in the Apostles' Creed are separated by a semicolon. That is because the church and the communion of saints belong together. You cannot separate the two. That is also clear from what we confess in the Belgian Confession in Article 29, which deals with the true and the false church. It says that the true church may be recognized by the marks of Christians by how well they function. The church is the communion of saints. It is the work of God, and that work of God now has to be worked out by the members, by you, by me. That is what the communion of saints is all about. Now then, let me ask you, how do you define the communion of saints? I'm asking this question right at the beginning of this sermon, so that you can compare the answer that you give now to the answer that you will give at the end. Many of you will say that communion refers to fellowship, and that saints refers to the believers. 
And so you can refer to the communion of saints as to the fellowship of believers. The fellowship happens when members of the church look out for one another, when you are interested in the welfare of your brother and your sister. How exactly does such fellowship work itself out? Well, there are different opinions. Some believe that fellowship happens when brothers and sisters do business together, for example. It is their opinion that if you belong to the same church, that then you should also patronize each other's businesses. You go to the shop of your brother or sister in the Lord. You buy and sell from one another. And you hire someone from the church before you hire someone else. In the communion of saints, you're also supposed to remember each other's birthdays and anniversaries. You also receive visits when you are sick and lonely. People are supposed to draw others in and talk to them after church. Among other things, that is what the communion of saints is all about. There are a lot of complaints about the communion of saints. People don't visit me enough. They don't patronize my business enough. Or they forget my birthday or my anniversary. They don't recognize my talents, and so I don't get the function in the church that I think I should have. People don't talk to me enough. I have to go up to them rather than they going up to me. I don't always feel very welcome. Are those the kinds of things that bother you about the communion of saints here in the Emmanuel Canadian Reformed Church? Perhaps there are other things as well. As far as you are concerned, how well are we doing as community of believers? Well, we do an autopsy this afternoon. However, we are not the ones who are going to do that autopsy. We're going to allow God to do that on the basis of his word. For the words of question and answer 55 are directly derived from the scriptures. It summarizes for us how the church functions by speaking about the communion of saints. We allow God to examine his church by applying, by applying scriptural norms. God's word is our checklist, so to speak. He tells us how each part of the body ought to function. And so this afternoon I will preach to you about the communion of saints. Then we will look at two things. First of all, the root, and then secondly, the fruit. I will preach to you about the communion of saints. First, we will look at the root. Secondly, at the fruit of the communion of saints. The dictionary defines fellowship as a group of like-minded people, a group of people who share common interests, goals, experiences, or views. It also defines it as a sharing of experiences, a sharing of common interests, goals, experiences, or views. Fellowship refers to companionship, to the sharing of characteristics with others. Note well that when the Catechism speaks about the communion of saints, it speaks, first of all, about the communion with Christ. The answer does not begin by speaking about the fellowship that we have with each other in the first place, but the fellowship that we have with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It says that believers, as members of Christ, 
have communion, fellowship with him. That's where we begin. For that is where the scriptures begin. For example, the Apostle John says in 1 John 1 verse 3, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. John does not speak about fellowship together without mentioning the fellowship that you have, first of all, with the Father through the Son. That has great significance. And that significance is shown in the passage that we read together from John 15. Christ refers to himself as the vine. The vine is the root and the trunk to which the branches are attached. The branches are those who belong to Christ. And those branches have to bear fruit. Those branches cannot do that without being attached to the vine, unless they are attached to the vine. Branches without the vine are worthless. They are good for nothing else than to be thrown into the fire. Without being part of the vine, they wither and dry up. And they can no longer do what they were designed to do, namely to bear fruit. And that is what we have to bear in mind as we speak about the branches of the vine, about the members of Christ. Each member of Christ is deeply rooted in Christ. That is the only way that the branch, that the member, can exist. And so when we want to speak about the communion of saints, we will first have to remember, first of all, the root to which the branches are attached. And that root is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The members have communion, fellowship with him in the first place. How does the Lord God maintain that fellowship? Well, he does not do that, of course, by cutting them off. On the contrary, the Lord God does everything to ensure that we remain in the vine. He is always and ever concerned about our welfare. He encourages us. He comforts us, he warns us, and he nourishes us. How does he encourage us? Well, in the first place, he does that by telling us that he will never break the bond that he has created with us. We can break the covenant, but he will never do that. He will always remain faithful to his covenant promises. He will never take them back. That's the kind of relationship we have with him. And therefore, that is also the kind of relationship we have with each other. Our fellowship together is based on our fellowship with Christ. That means that we too should never break fellowship with one another. Paul says to the Romans in Romans 12 verse 10, and Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And in verse 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Sometimes nasty things happen, also in the church. And it can be an ongoing thing. People can get angry and vengeful. And then it would be our natural inclination 
to walk away from each other. And sometimes people also do that. They go somewhere else. They leave for another church. Or they leave the church altogether. Well, if that's what you do, then you are not devoted to one another. When you are devoted to one another, then you cling to one another. Also, during difficult times, you call each other to repentance. And then you are patient and kind with one another. And then you look first of all at yourself to see where you are part of the problem before you take others to account. Sometimes it happens that people do not want to repent. But that usually does not become clear until after a long process. And so you don't just walk away. Wait. Be patient. Be devoted to one another because you must realize that those with whom you are in conflict are also members of Christ. And until you are absolutely sure that that is no longer the case, you are devoted to them. That, brothers and sisters, is the communion of saints at work. The Lord God has also communion with us by comforting us. He comforts us during difficult times, during times of illness, and during times of separation from loved ones, when he takes someone from the earth to himself. And the Lord God also comforts us because of our sins. If we are sorry for our sins, then he comes with the wonderful comfort of salvation. He tells us that our sins are forgiven through the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then he does not throw our sins back in our face. He doesn't mention them again. Well, that's also what we do with regard to the communion of saints. The next question and answer deal extensively with that. And so we will deal with that, the Lord willing, next week. But suffice it to say for now that the forgiveness of sins within the communion of saints is very important. It is vital for the well-being of the communion of saints. Because we have communion with Christ who forgives us our sins. We can also have communion with each other because we forgive each other our sins. However, we are prone to remember the sins of others. We use past sins against them and mention them at an opportune moment, even though they have already repented from their sins and asked for forgiveness. If there is anything that breaks down the communion of saints, it is when you are not able to give, forgive others their sins and shortcomings. Because of his love, the Lord God also maintains his fellowship with us by warning us. He does that because he wants us to remain close to the vine. For he knows that if we do not stay close to the vine, that then we will no longer receive the nourishment from the vine. And that in the end we will dry up. How does God warn us? He does that through his word. Time and again he tells us how we must live. For he knows that we are forgetful. He knows that the flesh is weak. He knows that we repeatedly break the rules of his covenant. 
the Ten Commandments. And that is why we hear the Ten Commandments being recited every Sunday here in this church building. And that is why we are reminded of His commandments every time we read from the Bible. For we go against God's commandments all the time, don't we? God's commandments describe the rules of the relationship between Him and us and our neighbor. It is a relationship of love. And in such a relationship, you bind yourself to others. You keep certain rules. You love God. And that means you also love your neighbor. And your closest neighbor is your brother and sister in the Lord. And the Lord God also maintains fellowship with us by nourishing us. Good food and good drink is good for our bodies. A healthy lifestyle keeps your body free of deadly poisons. The Lord God gives us his wholesome word. The Lord Jesus says in John 15, verse 3, that we are already clean because of the word that he has spoken to us. God's word makes you clean. It cleanses you. It is good for your spiritual life. As a matter of fact, without it, you will perish. That is how God maintains his relationship with us. He comes with the good news of salvation with the gospel. Well, that is also how we ought to maintain a communion of saints with one another. We encourage one another with the word of God. The most important fellowship that you have within the communion of saints is with your family, with your parents, or with your children, with your husband, with your wife. And you bring up your children with the word of God. In a relationship with one another, we appeal to God's word concerning our conduct. We speak to each other of the wonderful promises that God gives us in his word. And also of his dire warnings when we go astray. And it is in this way that we feed one another. We also do that with our brothers and sisters that belong to the church. That is what we do in our interactions with one another. That is how you maintain the fellowship of believers. And that brings us to the second point, namely the fruit of our fellowship. The Catechism says that we all share in all of Christ's treasures and gifts. Treasures and gifts. They are the fruit of our communion with Christ. Two words are used here. Treasures and gifts should not be seen as the same things. When we speak about the gifts, then we speak about the kinds of things that we have to offer each other. <coughs> our gifts refer to our talents, to the kinds of things that we are able to do. We have to share those gifts that God gives us with others. And we must do that not because we are compelled to do that, but because we gladly do that. They must be done, as the Catechism says, cheerfully. And if you realize that your gifts come from God, then you will also be happy to share those gifts. And then you realize how blessed you are. And with your life, you want to give thanks to God. Everybody 
also here in this church building has something to share. For God gives each and every one of you your own unique talents. Some are able speakers. Others are able organizers and administrators. Again, others are able to work with their hands. Some people are good at relating to other people and comforting and encouraging them. And that is why Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 compares the church to the body of Christ with its many members. Each body has many parts, and each part is able to do different things. The hand has a different function than the foot, and the eyes a different function than the ears, and the kidneys a different function than the liver. And so it is in the church. Each member has his or her own function, even those who are no longer very mobile, those who are shut in, who are housebound. Also, they have, have gifts to share. For example, they can witness of their salvation to those who come and visit them. And they can also pray for others. It is wonderful, for example, to visit the elderly. They have so much to share. They can share their experiences. They can share their wisdom. They have lived a long life, and we can learn so much from them. They are such a blessing. And the Catechism says that we are duty-bound to use our gifts. It is our duty to use whatever talents God has given us for the communion of saints. Let me ask you, brothers and sisters, and that includes you boys and girls, what is your part in the fellowship of believers, in the communion of saints? What are you doing? It doesn't have to be anything spectacular. In an army, you have the frontline soldiers who do the actual fightings, but also you have those people who supply the troops and who make sure that they have the equipment and the food that they need. You have those who do the administration and others who work behind the scenes. And the one is just as important than the other. The one is not as noticeable as the other, but they are essential to a well-functioning army. An army cannot function without the contributions of many different talents. The same thing is true in the church. Everybody has their God-given task. And so, what is your task here in this church? The ones who complain the most about the communion of saints are usually also the ones who are least involved in church life. Well, the communion of saints is not that others do things for you, like drawing you out and talking to you after church by remembering your birthday or your anniversary or whatever contribution you make to the church, but it is about how you yourself reach out to others. The communion of saints is not receiving in the first place, but it is giving, it is sharing. That is how you define the communion of saints. You define it by, you define it by how well you function within the communion of saints, not by how others function. 
you define it by how much fruit you bear. There is no doubt that there is much lacking in that regard within the communion of saints. And what is lacking is usually best seen in others. You don't see it in yourself. But we're all sinful people and we all make mistakes. We're all forgetful. By nature, we are all self-centered. And in spite of all that, the communion of saints here in the Emmanuel Canadian Reformed Church is functioning well. And that is only because of God's grace. But it can be better yet. It can be much better. The sad reality is that the majority of the work done in this church is done only by a few people. Let me ask you, why do you belong to this church? Why do you serve the Lord? Is it because of the things you get out of it for yourself only? Is it because of the kinds of things that other people do for you? And do you serve the Lord because of the things that he offers you? Because of the gifts? Because of the treasures? Well, that's understandable. But that should not be the first reason that you serve him or each other. We must serve him because of who he is. He is the almighty God who wants to have fellowship with us, who has made a covenant with us, a covenant of love. You serve him because of the wonderful relationship that he has established with you and that he has also established with you and your brothers and sisters in the Lord. And why should you serve others? Well, for the same reason, because of who they are. They are God's children. Each and every one of us is precious to him. And therefore, we should also be precious to each other. Even those who are not as lovable, or who are not as noticeable, or who do not have as much to give. Especially those are the ones whom we must serve. It is for that reason that we must want to serve each other. Not because of the kinds of things that others are able to give us, because of the attention that they will give to us, or because of other services that they are able to render for us, but because they are God's children with whom together we share eternal life, both here and in the life to come. If we serve the Lord God only because of his gifts, then we serve him only for selfish reasons. And if we serve others only because we expect something back from them, then we also serve them only because we want something from them, not because we love them. That is how the world functions. When you are a worldly person, then you do nothing for nothing. You always want something in return. But that's not how a Christian functions. Brothers and sisters, the Lord has given us many gifts. He also gives us treasures. As I said, those treasures are different from the gifts. Those treasures are the riches that God gives you through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you know what the greatest treasure is that God gives you? The greatest treasure is the eternal fellowship with God through Christ. The greatest treasure is the wonderful covenant of love that he has established between him and you, the believer. It is the gift of salvation. 
It is the gift of the forgiveness of sins. It is the gift of righteousness. And it is those things that we may share with one another. Isn't that wonderful? And so, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, how do you define the communion of saints? It's not about receiving. It's about sharing. It's about sharing what God has given to you and to me. It is sharing the fruit that comes from the root. Those things we do not share just with each other, but we also share those things with those who do not belong to the household of faith. We cannot keep those gifts and those treasures for ourselves. No, we also have to share them with unbelievers. That is to say, as far as the treasures are concerned, we must make them available to them. We must tell them about salvation through Jesus Christ alone, through no merit of their own. We must tell them how to have a wonderful fellowship with him through faith. And we must also share our gifts with others. That means that we must serve others, even our enemies. The Lord God has put us on earth to serve. Are you doing that? Are you sharing, brothers and sisters? Are you sharing your faith with others? That's not always easy to do. And for the one, that is more difficult than for the other. But you can share your faith in many ways. Sometimes only a few words will suffice. You can share your faith also through your actions. The Lord God has given us great treasures and gifts. Do not neglect these things. Bear the fruit of the root, the fruit of Christ. It is in this way that the Lord God builds his church, and he will do that into eternity. Let us be part of that church gathering work. Amen.